Thank you very much. I want to tell you a, a little bit about my beginnings. I was born in Vermont and raised in <clears throat> raised in Brattleboro, Vermont. My father died when I was four, leaving me to be raised by, or at least uh, raised with five women in the household, which in some ways was sort of good because it allowed me to design my own father image, which I got in place by the time I was about 35, mainly, mainly lifted from books and exemplified in part by various people that I met. I left Vermont at about 16, age 16, and was self-supporting from then on. L went to Florida, back to Long Island, obtained a four-year scholarship, and this was in 1936, to go to Rollins College with all expenses paid. Enjoyed my college experience, having had a large number of very repetitive jobs, I decided I wanted to have every day different. And when I ran in at, at, in high school to a chemistry course and heard the word research, it meant to me that every day would be different. I early on learned what I was against. I did not learn quite what I was for, but I knew I was against repetitive jobs. The word research had a magic ring. It meant to me that every day would be different. It also implied that I could design my life. After college, I went to Merck & Company, worked on the penicillin program after getting my master's degree at the University of Nebraska. I wanted to become a college professor because my freshman professor in chemistry had told me that I had no talents for teaching, that I was too impatient and that I wouldn't do very well uh, in a university setting. This told me two things. I admired this gentleman. He told me something that I couldn't do, and he, in so doing, told me what his values were and what he valued the highest. And of course, I adopted his, his value with regard to that particular thing. I also was uh, insistent on, on designing my own uh, uh, program and the university, the fact that you're a university, allows you to do that. And of course, I picked that up very early. I never wanted to be very good in my courses. I aimed at about a B plus and spent the time liberated by not getting an A uh, on recreation of various kinds, like learning how to fly, ski, surf, play tennis, and the like which have stood me very well over years, allowed me to get away from my work. After the penicillin program at Merck, I went to Harvard, got my degree in 18 months, was not trying to learn much there, but simply wanted to get my hunting license for a teaching job, which I did, went to UCLA on a fellowship, and I've been there ever since. The thing that I really wanted to get an A-plus in, if I could possibly manage, was in research. I fastened onto this word very, very early, and it's still with me 50 years later. And it has been a magnificent, ever-changing, ever-delightful, ever-tempting mistress. Research has been lots of fun. Why? And particularly chemical research. 
Chemistry is one of these fundamental subjects which is at the core of all, uh, uh, all of life. It is at the bottom of genetics, for example, uh, although it will take some time to fully explain in chemical terms all of the genetic picture, it will ultimately reduce to this. The beautiful thing about chemical research, and particularly organic chemical research, is that you can design things, you can try to make them, you can then see whether they do what they were designed to do. This allows you to combine an art form with a science. The biological model, of course, has been the great inspirer of organic chemistry. But the organic chemist is not limited by the biological model, is rather inspired by it. I have found research to be, although it was, I didn't know much about research, I've found it to be everything and more than I had possibly hoped for. Teaching in the university put me in contact with young minds. It put me in charge of my own program. It allowed me to do whatever I saw fit. I had the privilege of losing or winning with each experiment. I had the possibility of gambling with the public's money and my graduate students' time in a big game of my own invention. This was lots and lots of fun. Every day did turn out to be different. And, of course, since we won only maybe 20% of the time, and since I'd had an early lesson in adversity, I understood adversity, and I understood how important it was to throw away the 80% of work that came to naught. A couple of thrilling experiences. Going over the Brattleboro ski jump, at the age of 15 and surviving to tell the tale was one of the big events. I caught a 15-foot wave in Oahu at Sunset Beach and rode it when I was about 48. <laughs> and that was one of my big thrills. I've had a series of, in the five fields, of organic chemistry in which I have worked, I've had enough experiences that were beyond measure uh, in, in, in thrills uh, and kept uh, the whole field fresh over years. Uh, I had these kinds of successes about every two or three years. We'd go through a dry period, then we'd go through a rich period, a dry period, and then a very productive period. And this coming and going like the tides on a, on a different time basis uh, with different groups of graduate students and postdocs from 43 or four different countries made life very, very interesting uh, uh, and paid the way and took us over those dry periods. Just as I had faith in the notion of that research was going to pay off and be a lot of fun, I had the notion that uh, you have to be very patient and you have to learn how to live with these periods that 
that don't work very well, when things don't come out. I've had a lot of people that have helped me in my career. Uh, my wife, Jane, is also an organic chemist. Everything we do funnels through her critical mind, and she is unsparing in her criticism of me. One woman cabinet, so to speak. Another thrill, after the third phone call last October 14th at 6.30 in the morning, I really did start to believe that I was getting the Nobel Prize. That was fun. I was told <laughs> I was told by one of my friends, Don, you better get up and shave and get going. And of course, I, I, I didn't believe him. But uh, at the third phone call, I called Jane, got her up. And uh, we did get just barely get shaved before, <laughs> before there was total chaos. There were 20 bottles of champagne consumed in my office starting about 9 o'clock, and all I had was a sip. <laughs> but many, many well-wishers dropped by. Now, the, the, the other thrill that I had later on, after I got the Nobel Prize, I had to, in connection with the ceremonies, sign the Nobel book. And when you sign the Nobel book, you get to look back at the signatures of other people that have signed the Nobel book. And who do you find there? You find there the heroes, the people that have looked up at you from books, the people that you've admired from many, many countries and from many, many uh, periods, starting in 1901. Emil Fischer, for example, a German that was the second one to get the Nobel Prize, whose work I admired for years. There was his name, the second one. And to be identified with this group of people, of course, is very thrilling. What have we done in research? Well, it's much too complicated to go into. You have to get a Nobel Prize to understand it. <laughs> but what some of you will be doing as time goes on is much, much better research than what I've done, partly because I've done what I've done. In other words, research is cumulative. People that are interested in how I have spent my life can go to the literature and have it all written down. Being part of this kind of continuity gives you a sense of immortality that I think would be hard to get in most other professions. I've loved my profession. I still love my profession. And I think I've got at least 10 more years of good research left in me. All you young people, I wish you the best of fun and pleasure in your various pursuits. Catherine Sugar from Santa Barbara, California. I was curious, how in the field of chemistry do you go about deciding what problem you want to work out, when, work on when there's so many possibilities? This is uh, the question, the answer to which there are hundreds of uh, seekers after. Heads of corporations want to know that, the answer to that question. Uh, how do you know? You consult your intuition, 
You consult the context of years. You constantly read the literature combing uh, it for anomalies or interesting entrees. You uh, talk to people that will criticize you and make you, and, and make you uh, uh, resourceful. And in being resourceful, you think of things that you wouldn't think of otherwise. In general, we climb on each other's shoulders, and there's an edifice built. But uh, if you take particularly what you know to something that you know very little about and who others know very little about, there's where you find the, the gold mines. In other words, when you bring a, 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 a set of knowledge to a place where that knowledge has not been applied, that's where you find the rewards. That's where you find the most fun. That's where you find the new results. Taking organic chemistry now to the, gen the problems of genetics or taking organic chemistry to the problems of, of human intelligence and the operation of the brain, these are the places where I would think that perhaps I would like to work were I just starting now. Um, I'm Keith Matthews from Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I want to ask you, I mean, I've done a fair bit of research and I always found it uh, extremely frustrating. And you were mentioning that 80% of your research gets thrown away. As a Nobel Prize winner, there's a lot of reverence for you. And I'm wondering if you experience the same kind of frustration that I have with research. I mean, I enjoy it, but it's still, I have to respect just how often I have to cool myself down and say, why isn't this working? Uh, it's, you can be exuberant because you know what being depressed is like. Uh, it would be terrible to win all the time. Uh, how could you maintain enthusiasm if you didn't go through long, dry periods? Uh, it's the, the fun of living after you've made a very large investment and had a small part of it paid off. Gambling and only winning would be terrible almost as bad as gambling and never winning. What's fun is the mix. And of course, success is made out of making that mix as high in the positive end as you can and still not do something trivial. Doing something non-trivial usually is lower yielding. Doing things trivial, doing trivial things, you can get very high yields on. And there's a constant con a conflict between me and my coworkers. I want to get a low yield and do something important. They want to get a high yield and get a degree. <laughs> um, being a professor of, of chemistry, one of the core subjects mainly that every one of us probably has to dread when we go to college, um, <laughs> and also considering that most of the students here are going to be going to schools where there are several Nobel Prize winners. That's for all of you people going to Harvard and Yale. And there are a couple going to Berkeley. And you've got a lot of people going to those schools. Well, we've always been told at those schools that You're those Nobel Prize teachers never, ever teach undergraduates. And I'm curious whether you actually teach a freshman level chemistry course at UCLA. Not I started out at UCLA course. teaching a course called From Protons to Proteins. It was a cultural chemistry course. Um, I then uh, graduated 
to teaching the sophomore course, not freshman, but sophomore course for very largely life science majors, people that are trying to get into medical school. Over the years, I've taught such a course once a year. The last one was taught a year ago, June. I've taught somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 12,000 undergraduate students over my 40 years. This is a, a recreation type operation and provides a very nice way of constantly asking oneself, what is the most important part of my profession? And this is extremely important in framing research problems. If you're constantly throwing material away and introducing new material, and you have to do this if you teach an elementary course because the field moves so fast. Thank you.